The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. What's up, guys? Week number nine is upon us uh, for an 18-game season. This is officially the halfway mark. It's all downhill uh, from here, and uh, this is the peak. You know, we've moved our way up, and now when we get to week 10 next week, we start going downhill on the second half of the season. So it's kind of a, a bummer thing. We had Halloween yesterday. The trade deadline uh, was yesterday. It, it's that time of year. And uh, temperatures turn here in the uh, Midwest. We had snow uh, on Halloween. You know, nothing too uh, drastic. In fact, it was in the 40s today, so most of it uh, is melting as we speak uh, and everything. But it's just like, okay, so it's getting to be that time of the year. Temperatures are turning cold. uh, And, uh, you know, we're going to start getting into the holidays. And, you know, we just had our first one with Halloween. A couple of weeks from now, we got Thanksgiving. Christmas, New Year's, and before you know it, the season uh, will be over. So, yeah, and we got uh, daylight savings this weekend, so you get that uh, that hour you lost in spring forward, you get it back this weekend. So that'll be nice. Get an extra hour of uh, shut eye uh, this weekend while I'm waiting for the Bears to possibly get killed by the Saints. But uh, anyway, we got lots to talk about. There was uh, the first firing of the season. Uh, took place uh, late last night. Uh, it was like 10 p.m. I think on the West Coast, so that would, must have been somewhere around midnight here in the uh, in the Midwest. Uh, we had all we got all the trade deadline deals, and of course, we'll summarize our pick'em standings. Whereas uh, you know, last week I was pounding my chest saying I'm coming for you guys. Well, I went from ninth down to 13th thanks to the way I performed this past weekend. So. A lot of good that's doing. I still got nine weeks to catch you bastards, but I'm coming. I'm still coming. So anyway, lots to get to. So let's go ahead and get this thing underway. This is the week nine preview episode of the fourth phase. So let's get to it. Welcome to the fourth phase, presented by Bears Talk Underground and Sports Drink Media. And now, your host, Larry D. 14 matchups for week number nine. We'll have 10 in our all out blitz as usual, which means we have four in our pick six segment. Four very interesting. Uh, like high-stakes games, actually. Miami at Kansas City, uh, Seattle at Baltimore, two first-place teams, Dallas at Philadelphia, the first matchup of the year between those two teams, and then Buffalo at Cincinnati on Sunday Night Football. That's going to be a huge matchup. In fact, could be even bigger than Miami and Kansas City uh, when it's all said and done. So those are our four big matchups. We'll get to those here uh, in just a few moments. But uh, first, let's go ahead and get started with our, uh, our news and notes for week number nine. As I said, we had our first firing last night, uh, 
And unfortunately, it wasn't uh, Matt Eberflus. Uh, it was Josh McDaniels, uh, head coach of the Raiders, along with the uh, the guy he brought in to be his general manager, David Ziegler. Both of them were let go. So uh, the uh, the Raiders are, are going to go into this game with the Giants on, on Sunday with an interim head coach and an interim general manager uh, as well. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how the team responds. They announced today that, uh, oh, yeah, we're, uh, we're really kind of just, just, just starting over fresh completely because Aiden O'Connell is going to be the starting quarterback uh, on Sunday uh, against the Giants. They're benching uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, even though they desperately needed him to come back during the two games he was gone uh, with his uh, back injury. But after his 10-for-21 performance uh, against the um, Lions on Monday Night Football, uh, you know, he led an offense that generated 157 yards in total offense and only one score because the defense scored the other touchdown for the Raiders uh, on Monday. He's going to the bench, and their offensive coordinator, Mick Lombardi, got fired as well. So they're going to have a brand-new Offensive play caller. They're going to have the rookie quarterback uh, taking over and leading the way for the rest of the season, at least. Uh, Linebacker coach for the Raiders, Antonio Pierce, longtime NFL veteran uh, for the Giants and for the uh, Redskins when they were still the Redskins. And uh, his uh, interim general manager will be Champ Kelly, who Chicago Bear fans uh, know because he was, I think, director of player personnel or something for a time. Uh, in Chicago, very popular uh, among the league. He was the assistant uh, GM uh, in uh, in Vegas and uh, now gets to uh, run the team for half a season and uh, audition for uh, Mark Davis, the, the owner of the Raiders, to see if he can get that job full-time and uh, be interested to see if this is the shot in the arm that the Raiders uh, needed. You know, and it's interesting because the, the, the cut, the firing, came after – the trade deadline, it almost feels like a knee-jerk reaction uh, to me uh, by Mark Davis. Like maybe he wanted to, um, you know, start this thing anew. It's like even though, you know, there, we're only a, we're, we're a year and a half in. McDaniel's 9-16 and 16, uh, as head coach, which means he's only, he's only eight games into his second season. So he was head coach for a season and a half after signing a six-year deal. Uh, with the with the Raiders going into last season, so Mark Davis is going to pay Josh McDaniels not to be his head coach for the next four and a half seasons um, if he doesn't want to, or if I, if McDaniel doesn't want to doesn't want to work, he can just stay at home and, and collect that money from uh, Vegas for the next four years. But um, you know, I have a feeling that maybe Mark Davis wanted to see some progress towards uh, you know maybe acquiring some draft picks. You know, not that he doesn't want Devontae Adams on his team, but Devontae Adams would be very valuable uh, on that market. And they didn't move Devontae Adams, even though I believe I read something earlier today that said he requested a change of scenery uh, because it's just not working out in, in Vegas. He came to Las Vegas to play with Derek Carr, and they jettisoned Derek Carr almost before last season was over. He, he sat on the bench for like the last four games. Uh, last season and uh, you know then they let him go and he's in this with the Saints uh, now 
So here he is playing for the team he always wanted to play for, but not with the guy that he wanted to play with, and it's just not what he wanted it to be uh, when he went out to uh, Vegas. I mean, you've got some very um, valuable assets. You have Devontae Adams. You have Max Crosby. I don't think Mark Davis wanted to part with Max Crosby, but Devontae Adams and, you know, especially Josh Jacobs. Talk about a guy that could have been extremely valuable on the trade market yesterday. Was last year's NFL rushing uh, champ. He's only on a one-year deal. Likely not going to stick around after uh, this season, so why not? try to get something for this valuable asset that we have that we're most likely going to lose for free in the offseason and get an unhappy guy like Devontae Adams out of here and use him to get some valuable pieces that we could either use uh, to, that you know, that we could use to build up our team next season or possibly even use those picks to move up and go get their starting quarterback for next year, Drake May, uh, Caleb Williams, whoever, it may be, and uh, you know, like I said, this is just me spitballing here. But the firing happened after the trade deadline, and and, and I think you know you combine Monday's performance along with making no moves whatsoever to improve either to to either improve the team now or to improve its future, and maybe that's what set Mark Davis off because a few weeks ago. This was a guy that had a a video go viral because he was screaming at fans who were telling him he should fire McDaniels. He was literally getting into shouting matches with fans because he disagreed about firing Josh McDaniels. And here he is. Not only did he fire McDaniels, he fired his general manager as well. So that's why why I said this feels very knee-jerk to me, which is not to say that it's not the right move or that I think that um, Davis didn't think it through. But I, I feel very much that it's a reaction to either something something happening or something not happening yesterday uh, during the uh, you know before the trade deadline. So, like I said, that's my own personal theory uh, about it. And uh, Sunday we'll see what happens with the uh, with the Raiders. You know, very often you see when when there's a a midseason firing, that interim coach uh, is able to uh, you know. You very much use that us against the world or nobody believes in us thing to, uh, you know, build up some emotion and, uh, you know, get a win. Uh, and, and in the very least, at the fir- in the first game. So we'll see if the Raiders can do it and uh, pull one off against the Giants. You got two of the worst offenses in the league facing off against each other uh, this weekend. You know, it's like the 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 only team, the only team generating fewer points per game right now than the Raiders are the Patriots and the Giants, the team that they're playing uh, this weekend. So maybe it's going to be another twenty plus uh, punt uh, performance like the Giants just did uh, with the Jets at, at MetLife. But uh, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe the uh, the Raiders have come out and you know just throw caution to the wind and uh, go out there and play football and have fun and who knows, but uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, Definitely going to be a lot of eyes on the Raiders uh, going forward. So, because yeah, it could be an interesting place to start. I don't know what their cap situation looks like uh, next year, but with their, the way the season is going could possibly have a high 
uh, you know, draft pick to to uh, work with. Maybe a new general manager coming in to make a new make a splash will make a deal to move up in the draft to get the number one pick or the number two pick to go get the the quarterback and build around uh, this quarterback and 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 what have you. Could be an interesting situation. I mean, it's in Vegas, and you know what's not exciting about that. So. Anyway, that's the the big news yesterday was uh, that kind of overshadowed the trade deadline was Josh McDaniels getting fired at like the 11th hour uh, last night um, when a lot of people had already gone to bed uh, for the night. But speaking of the trade deadline, there were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight big uh, trades uh, on trade deadline day. There Obviously, there have been several going on throughout the uh, – year but the deadline was uh 3 p.m uh, central 4 p.m eastern uh yesterday and uh several teams some of them were kind of under the radar i was like i was reading about them for the first time uh today but uh including this one the uh the bills and the um the uh bills made a deal for a cornerback their defense ravaged uh by uh injuries Tredavious white loss for the season um earlier this year and um they uh, traded with the Packers, uh, sending a third-round pick to Green Bay, and in return they get Rasul Douglas, the cornerback, and a 2024 fifth-round uh, pick from Green Bay. Uh, the Lions uh, needing, a, needing a little uh, wide receiver depth after Marvin Jones uh, left the team to tend to uh, family business. Um, send a, go for, send a 2025 sixth-round pick to Cleveland, and in return they get Donovan Peoples-Jones to help out in their wide receiving core. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars add a little offensive line uh, depth with uh, Ezra Cleveland from the Minnesota Vikings sending a 2024 sixth-round pick uh, to Minnesota. The Vikings then interned. I don't know if they flipped the same pick because they sent a 2024 sixth-round pick to Arizona for quarterback Josh Dobbs and a 2024 seventh-round pick. So um, I don't know if it was the same pick they got from Jacksonville. But uh, it was the, it says 2024 six-round pick they got from uh, Jacksonville, and then they sent a 2024 six-round pick to Arizona. So it was almost like they did a three-team uh, trade. Yeah, almost like that. But Josh Dobbs traded for the second time this season because he's literally leading up to week one. He gets traded to Arizona from the Cleveland Browns, and now he's been traded for the second time to the Minnesota Vikings. So his situation has improved because he went from the uh, second-worst team in the league to uh, a team that would actually, if the season ended today, would uh, be the seventh seed in the NFC uh, playoffs uh, right now. I don't know if he's going to play this weekend, but uh, he could definitely be the starter going forward. I mean, he the, the, the Cardinals were tough there for those first, like, five weeks of the season. They've been kind of pushovers the last few weeks and, and Dobbs had been benched. So it was kind of like a, an interesting move for the Cardinals who are likely getting Kyler Murray back either this week or next week uh, from that ACL uh, injury. So Dobbs was heading to the bench anyway, and they got a little something uh, for him. Uh, the Falcons were looking for defensive line help. They were sniffing around Montez sweat from the commanders, but we'll talk about where he went a few in a few moments as if you didn't already know. But uh, Kentavious Street from the Eagles, uh, Street and a seventh-round pick from 2025 go to Atlanta, 
and the Eagles get a 2024 six-round pick. Uh, big deal the day before on Monday, uh, Leonard Williams, the defensive lineman from the New York Giants, traded to the Seahawks, and in return, the Giants get a 2024 second-round pick and a 2025 fifth-round pick. And then, obviously, the the trade that uh, perked my ears up was uh, Montez Sweat from the deep, from the uh, Washington Commanders, traded to my beloved Chicago Bears for a 2024 second round pick. He will be coming into a defensive line that desperately needs the help when it comes to pass rush. Um, and um, the funny thing was, all of the rumors as far as the Bears going for a pass rusher. Certain centered around Chase Young, the other defensive end for the uh, for the Commanders, who was also in a contract year that the Commanders would likely not be able to afford because they've already dumped nineteen and twenty million a season into Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen, their defensive tackles. So there's you know only so much pie to go around, as Jerry Jones uh, once said after he paid uh, Ezekiel Elliott, but. So it was interesting. I was actually driving out to get some lunch, and the alert comes over. Uh, Bears trade for commander's defensive end, and then the alert was cut off. So when I tapped on the alert, it opens up and says Montez Sweat. It's like, talk about a bait and switch. I didn't see that coming. And uh, I was able to talk to our my good friend, um, Mr. Who, from the Washington Commander's Declassified podcast to kind of uh, – get me learned up on my new defensive end and uh, what we can expect from him and, and, and what have you. Literally 10 minutes after I got done talking to him, the alert comes over. Chase Young also traded to the 49ers for a 2024 third-round pick. And um, this feels more like a, a nine-game rental for the uh, 49ers. Uh, and it was kind of a luxury thing for them because they, they traded – uh, a, the 2024 third-round pick is a compensatory pick that I think they got for D'Amico Ryans becoming head coach of the uh, of the Texans. You get two third-round picks, so they got one in 2023. I think they used that one on Jake Moody, and they used this one to uh, go out and get uh, Chase Young to be on the other side of his own, of his former Ohio State uh, teammate Nick Bosa. So also a number two overall pick. So. Very, very interesting situation out there. Uh, and it also looks like Chase Young will most likely hit the open market after he helps the 49ers navigate what's left of this uh, season. So uh, those were the big deals, all eight of them, I believe. My beloved Chicago, and man, Ryan Poles has catched so much heat for this deal. Um, and it just sounds more like people just wanting to complain about the Bears and what they are and are not doing. You know, I'm sure that that you know, polls would have caught a uh, a bag full of shit if he hadn't done anything, or you know, just. Uh, but he went ahead and he made a move, and it was like people are criticizing because like, what do you? You're two and six. Why are you making? Why are you a buyer? And you know, you're two and six should be selling. Like, well, this this wasn't exactly a 2023 move. He didn't make this move thinking that Montez Sweat was going to lead the Bears to a playoff uh, run or anything. Like that, this was very much more a 2024 and beyond uh, kind of move than it was uh, something that would that would you know turn the season around in 2023. So some people out there just don't get it. Other people are just looking to find something to uh, 
complain about, and they're very good at it at times. And Bears Twitter can be such an awesome place to hang out sometimes. But And real quick, before we move on to our pick six, uh, briefly want to go over the pick'em standings uh, for through the first eight weeks of the season. And uh, like I said, I was kind of puffing my chest about telling you guys that I was coming for you. And, uh, yeah, then I scored 88 points and uh, missed out on, like, 16, like, my 16-point game, my like, my 10-point game or something like that. I just made all the wrong bets uh, last week because I still went 10-6. and six. But, uh, yeah, those... Uh, the games that I got right were the ones that I had my lowest, lowest confident points on. So I only came away with 88 points, and I've dropped from 9 down to 13. So a lot of good that did me. But um, Fields of Dreams has reclaimed uh, first place in our standings. 712 points on an 83-39 record. Uh, yeah, so he's kind of killing it right now essentially it's kind of like a averaging somewhat of like an 11 and 5 type record uh up to this point so or at least if you want to do the math 83 wins in eight weeks so he's averaging just over 10 wins a week and 39 losses just under five losses a week so averaging like i said 11 and 5 10 and 5 in that uh ballpark because of course we're fluctuating with the amount of games we have each week, thanks to the buys and everything. But JoJo, not a girl, 698 points in second place uh, on an 80 and 42 record. And then we drop 35 points before we get to third place. S. Van Horn with 663 on a 73 and 49 record. My man McCubin at number four. 655, 73 and 49. Afalava, 655, 73 and 49. So I guess technically tied for fourth place there. Agent Orange Jersey in, in sixth place at 653 on 74 and 48. Irish Mafia, 652, 71 and 51. Tanyoka, 649 on 75 and 47 which is what makes Irish Mafia impressive. He's 71 and 51 and with uh, 652 points so far. Uh, C.A. Zoid, 645 at 75 and 47. And then rounding out the top 10, Secret Bajant Man, 640 and 71 and 51. So, yeah, 635 in 13th place right now. Just awesome. So. Yeah, there we go. As far as weekly performers are concerned, uh, Fields of Dreams, that's why he's back in charge. 113 points. Uh, I believe I saw a 12-4 and record uh, this past uh, Sunday. So, fantastic job there. That's where the divide came between he and JoJo. JoJo still did great, 100 points, but uh, not as good as 113. McCubin, 104 Agent Orange jerseys, 108. Uh, Irish Mafia, 105. Yeah, so I'm like basically the only dickhead who didn't score 100 points this week. Or actually, I think I did the worst. Because now I'm looking. No, there were a couple of you that didn't do as well as I did. But, uh, 
Yeah, starting to feel like I was the only one who didn't at least score 90. But uh, as obviously as you move your way down the board, then, you know, you start to see where it goes. But uh, Velcro's picks don't stick. 112 points, so just nipping on Fields of Dreams' heels as far as being the champ of week number eight. And, uh, yeah, everyone recovering very well from week seven's debacle where 53 points out of 91 won the week last week. So we'll see how week nine goes. We got 14 games, so it's 136 with all 16 games. That's the most that you can score. So subtract 31 points from 105 is the total we're all shooting for this week. So, yeah, best of luck uh, to you all. I, I still say that I'm coming for you. And uh, last year in the, when I was just posting my picks online uh, each and every week, it was really kind of like this This point through the rest of the season is really where I started to kind of uh, take hold, you know, averaging like 12 and 4 and stuff like that throughout the rest of the uh, season. You know, I had really good, really good run in the last two months of the year. So maybe we'll see me resurge at the end to kind of uh make it respectable at least 13th place in your own league is not respectable so i need to definitely step my game up for sure but uh anyway that's all we got for the uh picks and uh in the pick'em game congratulations to fields of dreams back in charge and with somewhat of a commanding 14 point lead uh on top of it anyway there's our news and notes and uh, let's go ahead and, and talk about these bigger games here in our pick six here. Uh, let's go ahead and get started uh, with our week nine pick six. Pick six for week number nine. We begin with the Chiefs and the Dolphins. A uh, big time matchup in the uh, AFC. The winner will likely be the number one seed. Uh, in the AFC when the game is, uh, when it's all said and done. Both teams coming in at 6-2, and two, which is currently the best record the AFC has to offer uh, at the moment. Chiefs have been struggling a bit uh, on offense in the, uh, in the last several games. I mean, aside from their big 41-point game against the Bears in week number three, 20 against the Lions, 17 against the Jags, 23 against the Jets, 27 against the Vikings, 19 against the Broncos, and then last week against their char uh, two weeks ago against the Chargers was their last big offensive output at 31 uh, points, and then this past week only managing nine against the Bronco defense that gave up 70 points uh, six weeks ago. So, you know they've been really inconsistent uh, with it. And thankfully, I think the reason that they're six and two is that their defense has been outstanding. Uh, pretty much all season uh, long. And uh, it's a very young team that's kind of growing together on the defensive uh, side, which is what you need to do. You have to build through the draft, especially when you're paying your quarterback $50 million a uh, a season. You know, even with a $200 million salary cap, when you got one guy taking up 25% of it, that's uh, – it doesn't leave a lot for the other 52 players. And some of those guys, you got to pay some real money to uh, as well. Because, you know, they have, a, they have a $20 million right tackle in Juwan Taylor. And um, 
you know, among other people. So, but it's like, uh, yeah, they don't have much of a of a receiving core uh, since trading away uh, Tyreek Hill, who they'll be facing, I believe, for the first time uh, this Sunday. This was the international game. Uh, this one's going to be in in Frankfurt, Germany, um, when the uh, the Chiefs kind of objected to having to play the Bears uh, overseas, uh, not because they were fear fearful of the Bears or anything like that, but because they didn't want to miss out on the money that the Chicago fan base was going to bring to Kansas City. And uh, this is the game they had to settle for, a game they would very much be in danger of uh, of losing. And I really feel like this is going to come down, this game will come over, come down to whichever offense can get going. You know, if, if the Chiefs are able to get it together, uh, possibly even dominate, not, not so much dominate, but be productive in the run game. Let Isaiah Pacheco and, and company uh, get the game going uh, on the ground. And that's what they're going to want to do. You know, They're going to want to drain the clock, keep the ball out of Miami's hands because they are dangerous. They do have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell uh, and Raheem uh, Mostert. I don't know what the status of... Um, Achan is uh, at the moment if he's if he's ready to come off of IR with that knee injury uh, just yet. But you know, Mostert has been outstanding uh, on his own. They have Waddle, they have uh, Mike Jacecki, they have uh, Tyree Kill. This is a big strike offense. They don't need 12, 15 play drives to uh, to get points on the board. They're the they're that team that can go three plays in seventy five yards and, and get into the uh, end zone. So to to take as much time off the clock to give them as little of a chance as humanly possible is what the Chiefs are going to want to do uh, on the offensive side. You know, running the football, the short passing game, keep everything in bounds. We're not stopping the clock uh, or anything like that. You want to use every moment of that play clock to give Miami fewer and fewer chances to have the ball and therefore uh, come after you. So I don't think the Chiefs need to be afraid by any stretch of the imagination. They are an extremely talented team in their own right. They're just not as dangerous as they used to be on offense. They used to be the team that you feared on offense because of Mahomes and because of the guy they're going to be facing for the first time, Tyreek Hill, uh, because of uh, you know all the guys that they had on the offensive side outside of uh, – Travis Kelsey, you know, they have uh, Valdez Scantling and, and and guys like that on the offensive side, but they don't have a Tyreek Hill uh, anymore. So it's, um, you know, they have a Sky Moore and they have Rasheed Rice who they drafted uh, this year, but these are complementary players. These aren't studs like a Tyreek Hill is. So, so they have become more of a ball control uh, type of offense that can put together a, a bigger play here and there. And uh, Miami is all all gas, no breaks uh, with their uh, offense. So, yeah, I really do feel like if, if because of the defense that the Chiefs are bringing to the table, if Miami can just, you know, be the Dolphins against them, I really like the Dolphins to win this game. I really do. I don't think they'll blow Kansas City out. Uh, or anything like that. I think that the defense will slow Miami down uh, somewhat. 
And it will all come down to, you know, if if they can actually get to Tua and uh, and get after him and, and, and sack him and, and whatnot and, and, you know, force him into some bad throws to make him make a poor decision uh, here and there. But uh, overall, I just think the Dolphins are going to be a little bit too much uh, for Kansas City at the moment. Uh, I won't have a high... Um, high um, confidence number on it, but we will, in fact, uh, I'm going to go with the Dolphins on this one. (laughs) Seattle at Baltimore. Second time in three weeks, the uh, Ravens are playing a, uh, another first place team at home. uh, No less two weeks ago, they took on the uh, Detroit lions and, and won in uh, hilarious fashion, <laughs> thirty-eight to six. It was, uh, as I mentioned uh, last week, it was twenty-eight to nothing before the Lions managed their first first down uh, in the game. It was just a blowout from the outset. Like it was like the Lions of old, as far as uh, how dominant the uh, the Ravens were in that game. You know, they're currently on a three-game winning streak. They beat the Titans three weeks ago. The Lions this past, uh, last Sunday and the Cardinals this past Sunday, thirty-one to uh, twenty-four. Seems like they're they're starting to hit their stride offensively, which was such an up and down thing in the first five weeks of the season, and that's why they were three and two, uh, you know. But now they're six and two because they scored twenty-four against the Titans, thirty-eight against the Lions, thirty-one uh, against the Cardinals this past Sunday. And, you know, they're still kind of doing it in, in, in erratic ways as far as, you know, one week they're doing it all through the pass, or this week Lamar threw for two, ran for two, or like this past Sunday against the Cardinals, Gus Edwards ran the ball for three touchdowns uh, in, in, in the game. And that's where most of their points came from uh, with him. So they're doing it in different ways, and I guess that's more of a, more of a plus than I'm making it sound. But uh, you know they are figuring it out. They're 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 managing to put their their offense in a good position to succeed. They're making the plays and scoring the points, and that's why they've been successful uh, in uh, grabbing hold of first place in the AFC North and and uh, hanging on to it rather well uh, at the moment. Let me see where we are with the uh, standings right now. Yeah, they've got like a two and a half game lead. Over the uh, over the Steelers, or is that one and a half? Because they're two games better in the win column, one game better in the loss column. So I guess that'd be one and a half games. But yeah, one and a half better than the Steelers and the Browns. Actually, all three, all three of their uh, division mates are uh, four and three. So, and the team to watch out for is the team we're going to talk about here in a few minutes with the Bengals. That's the one you really got to be worried about because those guys are on fire right now. But um, And then Seattle, on the other hand, made a huge trade uh, this week, as we talked about a moment ago in our uh, news segment, going out and getting Leonard Williams to bolster the middle of that defensive line of theirs. Sent a second and a fifth uh, to the Giants to, uh, to bring him in. And what he adds to that defense, or what he could add, is very, very uh, interesting, especially against a a mostly run heavy 
uh, offense in the uh, Baltimore Ravens. He's also a very good pass rusher as well, especially for an interior guy. So, you know, Geno Smith is kind of having a – it's a mixed bag kind of season for him. Nine touchdowns, six interceptions uh, so far. But he's got 1,600 yards, almost 1,700 so far. Uh, the season, Kenneth Walker, 516 yards and six touchdowns so far. And the season, DK Metcalf, 27 catches, 404 yards, two touchdowns so far in the year himself. So a little bit on the lower end uh, catch-wise. But, um, you know, the Seahawks are a team that's just kind of, uh, you know, fallen into first place because of the losing streak the 49ers are on right now. They started off the year with one of those uh, fluke week one losses to the to the Rams. Then they beat the Lions at home uh, week two. They uh, beat up on the Panthers the week after that, smoked the Giants before their they had an early bye week in week five. And then coming off the bye, they go into Cincinnati and just have this game where they absolutely could not get out of their own way. You know, constantly just kind of tripping and falling uh, over themselves. They just, you know, four or five red zone trips. I think they only came away with like two field goals in the whole batch, uh, giving up sacks on fourth and six in the red zone. I mean, it was definitely one of those games where the uh, – where the Seahawks just uh, had to be wa- hate watching the film uh, that you know after they uh, after they played it, but ever since that loss to Cincy, they've uh, they've been at home the last two weeks. They beat the Cardinals last week or two weeks ago, and they beat the Browns this past Sunday and somewhat come from behind uh, fashion. So you know their offense doesn't exactly scare anyone. Their defense is. Uh, kind of back and forth at times, but it, it really just comes down to how clean the game is uh, for Seattle. You know, they made a lot of mistakes in that first game against the Rams, and I just got done talking about all the missed opportunities in that uh, Cincinnati game. So if they can uh, stay ahead of the sticks, if you will, as far as turnovers and penalties and, and things like that, being able to close the deal uh, in the red zone and what have you, uh, this is going to be a very, very tough football game. But uh, this is the old cliche uh, West Coast team on the East Coast, and I believe this is also an early game as well. Yeah, it is. So you have that 10 a.m. start for the West Coast team on the road in the East Coast and, and a tough place uh, for visiting teams to play at. I think it'll be much closer than the matchup between the Lions and the uh, Ravens two weeks ago, but I still like the Ravens to come out on top uh, over the Seahawks. <laughs> Dallas and Philadelphia. This is going to be, I think, the Fox uh, America's game of the week uh, this Sunday. Three o'clock start, as most of these Dallas-Philly games are. And even though Dallas is 5 and 2, Philly is the best record in the league at 7 and 1. This is the game that the Cowboys notoriously have a reputation for falling and uh falling short in these games and and and, and sometimes in hilarious fashion with the way that they perform. I mean, think of the Romo era uh of the Cowboys. It always seemed to come down to a game 
against Philly, uh, you know, with the playoffs on the line or the division on the line, they go out there to Philadelphia and then lose 44 to six or something crazy like that. Like they fought all this, this whole season, they fought to put themselves in a position to, to make a, to win the division or go to the playoffs. Then they go to Philly and get murdered and uh, then it's all done. I mean, and, and already this year, they've had an opportunity in a marquee game against the marquee team and got just absolutely leveled by the 49ers on Sunday Night Football. What was that one, like 40 to 10 or something like that? 42 to 10. But this is what the Cowboys do, regardless of the who, who the head coach is, who the quarterback is, who's, who's leading the team and, and, and all that kind of stuff. It just... They don't show up in these big game moments, and that's why they've been the also-rans in the league for the last quarter century since they made their last Super Bowl almost 30 years ago now. And in that time, they've only won, like what, like two playoff games uh, in all that time? For all the playoff appearances that they've had, they fall painfully short every single year. I mean, and they've got, a, what, a two-, three-year streak in getting their asses kicked by the 49ers. Uh, in the in the playoffs um, lately, and then of course the the savage beating they took at the hands of the Forty Nine ers of Sunday Night Football a few weeks ago. But I mean, this they also seem to be that that team that's really good. They're a bully, and in, in, you know, just to put it in those terms, and you know, they beat the Forty Nine ers forty to nothing. They beat the Jets thirty to ten, and then they ran into the into the into the weaker kid that hit the bully back. And that would be the Cardinals, and they ended up losing that game uh, against the Cardinals. Then they go and they bully the Patriots. They smack them around all day long, thirty-eight to three. Then they ran into another bully and got leveled uh, by the Forty ers forty-two to ten. You know, and then they beat up on the Chargers. They beat the Rams uh, last week. You know, they've got plenty of impressive wins on their schedule, but not impressive in terms of who they beat. That hasn't happened yet. And this is their their next opportunity. I was going to say their first. This is their next opportunity to actually do that, to actually go out there in a marquee setting on the road against Philadelphia, best team in the league, record-wise at least. You know, if you don't agree that Philly's the best team, period. Record-wise, there's nobody better uh, right now. They can dominate everyone except for the teams that they'll face in the postseason. And this is definitely a team they would have to go through to get to the Super Bowl, and they this is the first of their two matchups this season, the first one taking place in Philadelphia. And, um, you know, the Eagles are the team to beat in the East and the NFC right now, and they have been shaky at times, but they've, they're have they that team that also keeps finding uh, a way to win. They had a very impressive-looking win a couple of weeks ago against the uh, Dolphins, outlasting... Uh, them on Sunday Night Football a few weeks ago. And aside from their one uh, misstep against the Jets, they've showed up to play and and got it done every single week. They've had some interesting fights with the Commanders. Uh, You know, what, four or five weeks ago, the Commanders took them to overtime this past Sunday. It was 38-31, and Sam Howell was, you know, four touchdowns and 350 yards uh, against them. You know, but it's it's also kind of been their thing to get out to this fast start and then kind of cruise on that fast start, and then they have to hold off the team 
at the end. Obviously, that won't work with somebody like the Cowboys, but this could also very much be a trap game for the Eagles because they have the Chiefs. They have a bye week, and then they have the Chiefs. So that's two things they have to look forward to. They have a week off, and then when they come back, they're fa- they're they're playing the Chiefs on Sunday night, on Monday night football, actually. So they want to be careful here because if if there's a team desperate for a win, and I know that I think the Cowboys won, beat a, beat the Eagles uh, at some point, but I think it was one of those uh, didn't really matter in the grand scheme of thing kind of wins. But um, yeah, this is definitely a a game that the the Cowboys need. Um, they're five and two. If they lose, Phillies eight and one. They're five and three. That would be like a two and a half game lead that the uh, Eagles would have over them, and the head to head on top of it. AJ Brown has been an absolute beast. I think he's on a six or same six or seven game winning or. Six or seven game streak of 125 yards receiving or more. He had 130 last week against the Commanders. I think he had a he had somewhere in that area against the Dolphins the week before. And uh, and you know yeah he's just been a savage these last uh, two months, uh, really. So I mean if there's anybody that Philly wants to watch, I mean that's the thing about Philly though, is you try to cover AJ Brown or you try to account for him, then you might believe in Devonte Adams. Wide open or Dallas Goddard, Miles Sanders has been running. Not Miles Sanders, uh, Deontay Swift, Devontae Swift has been uh, running the ball very, very well. DeAndre, God damn it, DeAndre Swift, getting the names mixed up, has been running the ball very, very well for them. And then there's Hurts himself, uh, who can be dangerous on the ground running the ball, and they're also you know the best offensive line uh, in football. So there's a lot to contend with. And Dallas is good on defense. They have Micah Parsons uh, and everything. But uh, they're weak in the secondary because of the injuries that they've suffered. Trevon Diggs is is out for the season with the ACL injury suffered in practice a few weeks ago. Um, they were they were in on Jalen Johnson for the Bears to try to help improve the secondary, but apparently Ryan Poles wanted a little too much uh, in return. So uh, they, they balked on that uh, on that deal. But uh, overall, you know, these are two good teams. They bring a lot to the table. But this is also the kind of scenario. This is, this, this is the game or type of game. Philly shows up for these games. Dallas does not. They don't. And, I mean, we've already run down what Dallas has done so far this year. As long as you're a team that's not supposed to be as good as them, they will kick the ever-loving hell out of you. And if you're a team that uh, is as good, if not better, you are going to beat the unholy piss out of them. And that's what I think is going to happen this Sunday with the uh, Eagles. So I look for them to run right over uh, the Cowboys. Uh, I just have uh, no faith the Cowboys whatsoever will show up or maybe even make this one competitive. Finally, in our pick six, we move on to Buffalo at Cincinnati. And this is going to be an emotional game for a couple of reasons. Number one, because it's going to go a long way in determining how the AFC is going to play out. Now, neither one of these teams is in first place in their own division right now. Buffalo is behind uh, Miami at the moment. Only a game, but they're behind 
Miami in the moment, and Cincinnati is technically in last place in their division, but tied for second uh, with the Steelers and the Browns, who unfortunately they've both lost to. So that's why they're in last place there. They've lost to both of those teams uh, already. But the Bengals just claimed their their NFC West division title uh, because their four wins this year came against the Cardinals, the Seahawks, the Rams, and the 49ers. They swept uh, the NFC West uh, so far. But, you know, and their three losses come... Actually, they haven't played the Steelers yet. So, because there are three losses, Browns and Ravens, those are division losses, and then they lost to the Titans. But ever since that loss to the Titans, they're three and zero, and it looks like, uh, aside from facing that rough defense uh, with Seattle, that uh, you know they've got their offense going. Now, the thirty-four points against the Cardinals, thirty-one this past week against the. Uh, against the 49ers and, and, you know, Burrow 283, three touchdowns, no picks uh, in that one. They ran the ball very well uh, as well against the 49ers who are stout on defense. And, um, you know, they, uh, despite the, uh, the chiefs and, and uh, dolphins matchup, I think this one is uh, probably going to be bigger in terms of the big picture for the AFC you got to watch out for the Bengals, man. This is kind of what they've done the last couple of years. They get off to this this slow start. And Burrow is 100% healthy now. You saw it last week, especially against the 49ers, the way he's running, moving around in the pocket, the way that he was scrambling at times. He had 40-something yards rushing uh, against the, uh, the 49ers scrambling uh, on Sunday. And uh, you can see how him being 100% is affecting uh, the team, you know, they are absolutely killing it out there. Uh, the defense played very, very well against the uh, 49ers uh, last week. And, um, you know, even though the Buffalo Bills made a move for a cornerback, they're weak on offense right now because they are so decimated. They've lost, uh, I think they've lost a star at every level of the defense uh, so far this year. You know, Tredavious White went down, I believe, with an ACL or an Achilles, one of the two. Uh, they lost a defensive lineman uh, with a pectoral injury, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, they lost a, a linebacker who's more, more of like an edge rusher, kind of a Mitriano or something like that, uh, with, a, uh, with, a, with a leg injury as well. So they're, they're still trying to piece together what their defense is. And, uh, you know, trying to account for the talent that they've lost, not to mention Tremaine Edmonds being in Chicago now. as You know, he left via free agency uh, and everything. You know, and that's why I'm giving the edge uh, to the Bengals. You know, I just feel like not so much that I don't like how Buffalo's playing football these days, but for the, like, Cincinnati's trending up, especially uh, on offense. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, uh, you know, Joe Mixon out of the backfield, and more importantly, Joe Burrow uh, finally being 100% healthy and, and recovered from that uh, calf injury he suffered in camp. You kind of saw how it was affecting him early uh, in the season. He wasn't moving around as well and all that kind of stuff, but now he's playing like the quarterback that, that deserves to be the highest paid uh, player in NFL history uh, at the moment. And, um, you know, 
They're on a three-game uh, winning streak, and they've got some good wins against the Seahawks and the 49ers uh, on top of it. And I think getting a win over the Bills on Sunday Night Football will be another big stamp to let everyone know that the Bengals are still a team to be reckoned with, especially in uh, the AFC. And then finally, the second reason that this game is significant is because it's a return to the place where the tragedy happened last season with uh, with Demar Hamlin and uh, him uh, having that uh, cardiac arrest right there on the on the field, and uh, you know all of the uh, life saving uh, work that the paramedics and the, and trainers on the field did uh, to take care of him and the recovery that he went through to be able to not only come back, but to be able to to play. It's like, even if he's on the sidelines in street clothes because he's inactive, it's still a huge victory that he's here and that he would be able to come back to the place where he had his worst moment in life, obviously. And um, I'm sure there will be some kind of moment to recognize that he's there and, um, and, and what have you. And uh, it'll be a very nice moment. But uh, in the end, I think it will be a bad moment for the Bills. Because I really like the what Cincinnati's putting together uh, right now, and I I think if if memory serves, I pick Cincinnati to go back to the Super Bowl uh, this year. So uh, I think this is uh, a win that they'll need to get if they want to make that happen. So yeah, I very much like the Bengals uh, in this one. <laughs> and there you have it, guys. Our pick six for week number nine. In our four games, give me the Dolphins, the Ravens, the Eagles, and the Bengals. Now let's see who I'm taking for the other 10 games. Go ahead and close this show, this week's show out with the Week 9 All-Out Blitz. All-Out Blitz for Week number 9. We start on Thursday Night Football in Pittsburgh. Will Levis had a huge debut against the Falcons with four touchdown passes. But Atlanta didn't have any tape on Levis, and they didn't have T.J. Watt. Give me the Steelers over the Titans. Minnesota at Atlanta. The Vikings will try and stay relevant without Kirk Cousins with the newly acquired Josh Dobbs in his place. Atlanta struggled all over the place against Tennessee and need a win in the worst way. I'm going to go with the Falcons on this one. Arizona at Cleveland. Cleveland came up short in Seattle last week and still have P.J. Walker at quarterback for now. The Cardinals are counting the days till Kyler Murray can come back and will now trot out rookie Clayton Toon at quarterback this week. Give me the Browns defense all over that rookie quarterback. L.A. Rams at the Packers. The Rams have lost three of their last four and want to get a win before their bye week next week. The Packers have lost five of six since their week one win over my beloved Chicago Bears and are nearing the point of no return as far as their playoff hopes are concerned, I still like the Rams. Washington at New England. Can Sam Howell keep the momentum from last week's performance against Philly going, or will Belichick's defense slow him down and keep Washington on the slide? Even though they went through the fire sale this week, I still like the Commanders. Chicago at New Orleans. Can the newly acquired Montez Sweat make a splash and give the Bears a desperately needed pass rush? Or will Derek Carr and the Saints pick them apart like the Chargers did a week ago? I think those two things even themselves out, but I still like the Saints better than the Bears right now. Tampa Bay at Houston. 
Looks like the bye week killed the momentum the Texans had built up after their performance in Carolina last week. Two weeks ago, the Bucks were in first place, and now they're struggling to stay relevant in their own division after back-to-back losses. I still like the Buccaneers. Indianapolis at Carolina. Bryce Young and the Panthers finally got their first win last week over the Texans. And Gardner Mishu and company fell short against the Saints and look to avoid their third loss in a row. Give me the Colts over the Panthers. Giants at Vegas. This one got very interesting uh, as of last night. The Giants get Daniel Jones back on Sunday. But will he be bringing any offense with him? The Raiders have lost their their last two a combined 56 to 26. They really need not just a win, but a good performance to get their season back on track. And they have to navigate the season under an interim coach for the second time in three seasons. Ah, tough call. Low confidence points. I'll take the Raiders just off emotion alone. And finally, on Monday Night Football, the, the Chargers at the Jets. The Chargers got their offense going against Chicago on Sunday Night Football as Herbert was near perfect against the Bears. But Jets, winners of three straight, will be bringing a defense that will not allow him to pick them apart like they did against the Bears and uh, on Monday Night Football. Give me the Jets over the Chargers. And there you go. There's your uh, all-out blitz for a week number nine. And uh, that will do it for the week nine preview of the fourth phase. Uh, come on back tomorrow when I will be uh, having Ross Jackson from Locked on Saints on the show to help preview Bears Saints uh, for week number nine. We'll get in depth. Uh, we'll talk about uh, what's going on with uh, both of these teams and uh, hopefully it'll be a, an interesting competitive game on Sunday. And it, it's it's actually one of those games where especially after a performance that the Bears just gave uh, against the Chargers this past Sunday. Uh, you're, you just heard me. I'm picking against uh, the Bears. This is exactly the kind of game the Bears would win. Nobody's giving them a shot in hell. Uh, you know, the other team is coming off of a, of a, a big win over the uh, Colts uh, last week. They're at home. Uh, everything is stacking itself in New Orleans' favor, and then the Bears come in out of nowhere and, and you know, win the game. It's exactly the kind of game that they would win. I don't think they will, but it's exactly the kind of game that the Bears, you know, that have been such a poor team the last few years, is exactly the kind of game they would come out of nowhere uh, and win. So we'll talk to Ross about that uh, tomorrow as we preview Bears Saints for week number nine, get you ready for the uh, weekend. And uh, that'll do it, guys. So come on back tomorrow for the Bears Talk Underground and uh, the Bears Saints preview and until then my name is larry d this has been the fourth phase and we will see you next time